the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The Pilgrims, the Puritans, the Founding Fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone, for The Bible Live broadcast. This is a special evening in a couple of ways. Brian was just reminding me before the program, oh, yeah, it's the Book of Ruth. I love the Book of Ruth every year. It's a little oasis of hope, of sunshine, of obedience, devotion to God, friendship. It's a lovely book, the Book of Ruth. And he said, oh, no, it's not just the Book of Ruth. It's the fact that you can read an entire book in one evening. He is right. Tonight we will read the entire Book of Ruth. This simple story, probably toward the end of the time of the Judges, before the time of the first king, Saul, we just finished reading the book of Judges. One woman and 11 men, 12 judges that God raised up in this period before Israel crowned their first king. As we've said before, a very dark time, a difficult time. There were enemies internal and foreign. God would raise up these judges, these heroes, with their military prowess and their abilities to organize and lead. Sometimes they would gain maybe 20, 30, 40 years of peace for the country. Other times, maybe six or eight years. But always it was a downward spiral of wickedness, of chaos, of spiritual and societal anarchy. There were pockets of faith, pockets of love and devotion to God, and we're going to read about one tonight. More in a moment. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. God will judge the evildoer. We think God is not watching. We don't care. It seems we can get away with anything. But we must understand that the laws of God are still in force and that he will judge on that basis. Psalm 52. You call yourself a hero, do you? Why boast about this crime of yours? you who have disgraced God's people. All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to say things that harm others. You liar! But God will strike you down once and for all. 
He will pull you from your home and drag you from the land of the living. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, Look what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree, thriving in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will wait for your mercies in the presence of your people. End of reading Psalm 52. Listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Give you praise, give you glory, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how it feeds our souls and encourages us in our heart of hearts we want to obey you we want to glorify you with our lives and we thank you lord for the guidance and the power of your word as it penetrates into our hearts to teach us and instruct us in your ways thank you O lord for the fact that your word not only tells us about your ways but tells us about the savior who is able to atone and redeem us and forgive us when we do fall short of your perfection and your glory Thank you, Lord, for the great salvation that is revealed to us in your word. Teach us tonight as we read the book of Ruth together. We count on you to bless your word to our hearts and to our lives. In the name of Messiah himself, we pray. Amen. Well, let's get into the book of Ruth. It's written, as I said, toward the end of the period of the Judges. A dark time in Israel's history when people lived to please themselves, not to please God. The people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. But even during those dark and evil times, there were still some who followed God, who loved God, who sought to obey God. Naomi and Ruth are beautiful examples of loyalty, of friendship, of commitment to God and to each other. Ruth is one of three women mentioned in the Gospels in the lineage, actually the ancestry of Jesus the Messiah. And she was not a Jew. She was Moabitess. This is a story of faith, of friendship, of family love, family stability, faithfulness to God, and the sovereignty of God, as we will see. The Book of Ruth on the Bible Life. Ruth 1.1 through 4.22. Ruth 1. In the days when judges ruled in Israel, a man from Bethlehem in Judah left the country because of a severe famine. He took his wife and two sons and went to live in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. During their stay in Moab, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone, without her husband or sons. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. 
But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes instead of coming with me, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has caused me to suffer. And again they wept together as Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth insisted on staying with Naomi. See, Naomi said to her, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. I will go wherever you go and live wherever you live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I will die where you die and will be buried there. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So when Naomi saw that Ruth had made up her mind to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was stirred by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? the women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ruth 2. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth said to Naomi, Let me go out into the fields to gather leftover grain behind anyone who will let me do it. And Naomi said, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that girl over there? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest, over there in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to bother you, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. Why are you being so kind to me, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about the love and kindness you have shown your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not as worthy as your workers. At lunchtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some of our food. You can dip your bread in the wine if you like. 
So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her food, more than she could eat. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, Let her gather grain right among the sheaves, without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles, and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up, and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it came to about half a bushel. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the food that was left over from her lunch. So much, Naomi exclaimed. Where did you gather all this grain today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. And she said, The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. This is wonderful, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said. Stay with his workers right through the whole harvest. You will be safe there, unlike in other fields. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she worked with them through the wheat harvest, too. But all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ruth 3. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his workers. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished his meal. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished his meal and was in good spirits, he lay down beside the heap of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he demanded. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing more family loyalty now than ever by not running after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are an honorable woman. But there is one problem. While it is true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, then let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will marry you. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Boaz also said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured out six scoops of barley into the cloak and helped her put it on her back. Then Boaz returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. 
Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has followed through on this. He will settle it today. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ruth 4. So Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. When the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, Boaz called out to him, Come over here, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I felt that I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. In those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the leaders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the leaders and all the people standing there replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is now coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you be great in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz married Ruth and took her home to live with him. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. And the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has given you a family redeemer today. May he be famous in Israel. May this child restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much and who has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took care of the baby and cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is their family line beginning with their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. End of reading, Ruth 1.1 through 4.22.
listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. The book of Ruth, following the books of Joshua and the time of the judges, that dark, difficult time in the history of the people of Israel, we have this sweet story wedged in here showing that faith was still there. Even in the midst of that chaos, God was still at work calling men and women of every tribe, every language, every national group, every gender, every social status, poor and rich, up and outers, down and outers, divorced, widowed, widowers, calling men and women to himself, working in their lives as they sought to follow him, as they obeyed him. He was still meeting the needs of their hearts and lives. This is a book about faith. It's about this young woman named Ruth who comes to recognize and worship the true and living God because of the influence of this godly mother-in-law. Because of the severity of a famine in the land, this Jewish woman has gone over into Moab. Friendly relations with the Moabites among the Jews was discouraged but not forbidden since the Moabites lived outside the promised land. Marrying a Canaanite, those living within the borders of the promised land, however, was against God's law, according to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Moabites were not allowed to worship at the tabernacle because they had not let the Israelites pass through their land during the exodus from Egypt. But this woman, Ruth, responds to the call of God. So it's a story of faith. It's a story of friendship between her and her mother-in-law. It's family love and family ties and family stability. Even in this time of instability and chaos and confusion, it's a story about the faithfulness of God and he is sovereign. He is able to superintend this relationship, not only for the people involved immediately in it, filling their lives and satisfying their lives and guiding them individually there, but he was at the same time using them in his plan of redemption for all of humanity. God brought Ruth and Naomi into the very lineage, the very ancestry of Jesus the Messiah, helping to bring the Messiah into human history centuries later because of their faithfulness, because of their walk with God. God is doing the same thing today. It's the same God, and he has the same redemptive plan. He is calling men and women to himself. Somehow he reached down into the great sea of humanity, and he found us. And your story of how God found you, called you to himself, his spirit quickened your spirit, gave you eyes to see and ears to hear his word, and you responded by faith to his call. God is giving order, meaning, and significance to our lives right here on earth. But at the same time, we're going to find out someday that our lives count in the bigger sense as well that we are part now of his global plan of salvation for human beings around the world. Somehow God is using each and every one of us in that plan. As we are an influence for the salvation of God in our own families, to our neighbors and friends, in our workplace, in our schools, God can use us significantly, both for time and for eternity. Now, a lot of this story takes place in the little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about five miles out of Jerusalem. It's a little town surrounded by lush fields and olive groves. Bethlehem means house of bread. It was a very fruitful, productive agricultural land. Ruth and Naomi's return to Bethlehem was certainly part of God's plan because it was in that town that David would be born. And as predicted by the prophet Micah, the Messiah would also be born there in the city of David. At the heart of this story, we have this man named Boaz. Maybe Boaz would have been a good judge of Israel as well, but he wasn't on that national level, but he was definitely a hero. A hero is someone who simply does the right thing at the right time, whether or not they realize the impact their action will have. 
That is exactly what Boaz did. He was a hero. He was always sensitive to people and their needs, his employees and others. His words to his employees, his relatives and others were colored with kindness. He offered help openly, not grudgingly. And when he discovered who Ruth was, he took steps to help her because she had been faithful to his relative, Naomi. So when Naomi advised Ruth to request his protection, he was ready to marry her if the legal complications could be worked out. And here we see a prime example of the kinsman-redeemer concept in Scripture. If a woman lost her husband, then it was up to the family members, the closest first and then further down into the family lineage, the kinsman-redeemer would take that woman into his household because there was almost nothing worse than to be a woman alone in the ancient world. Widows were taken advantage of, they were ignored, they were almost always poverty-stricken. So God's law provided that the nearest relative of the dead husband should care for the widow. Naomi had no relatives in Moab, and so they go back to Israel. And she did not know if any of her relatives there in Israel, even in Bethlehem, were alive. But they went back trusting God with some fear and trepidation. And Boaz comes along, willing to be that kinsman redeemer. And in that sense, he is a picture of, a type of, Jesus, the Messiah, who is our kinsman redeemer, the one that brings us into the family of God. To some people, the book of Ruth might be just a nice story about a girl who was fortunate, who met a nice family, and so on. But in reality, the events recorded in Ruth were part of God's preparations for the births of David the king and of Jesus, the promised Messiah. Just as Ruth was unaware of this larger purpose in her life, You and I will not know the full purpose and importance of our lives until we are able to look back from the perspective of eternity. We need to make our choices with God's eternal values in mind today. Taking moral shortcuts, living for short-range pleasures, those are not good ways to move ahead. Because of Ruth's faithful obedience to God, her life and legacy were significant even though she couldn't see all the details and all the results. Live in faithfulness to God, my friends knowing that the significance of your life will extend beyond your lifetime. The rewards will outweigh any sacrifices the Bible we may make. The Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall Haas Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.